is a great day to be in church. Yes? Yes. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Maybe you're a guest here with us today. If you are, we would love to get to know a little bit about you in the seat back pocket in front of you. There's a card that says guest. Uh, scan it, fill it out. We've got a small gift to give you at the cafe. If you don't want anybody to know you were here, don't do anything. Just walk out on your way out. No one will bother you. Can we give a good hand to our Brantville facility? Good morning, gentlemen. We love you. We honor you. And we're glad you're joining us. And uh, I want to start off this morning by praying uh, for a family in our church. Uh, Earlier this week, one of the sweetest women in our church, uh, Tommy Powell, uh, passed away suddenly in the middle of the night. And uh, her husband, Jimmy, is here in service today. Um, Tommy has been serving faithfully for almost four years plus here with us. And you might recognize her because she was our golf cart driver with, with the air. We used to call her the fighter pilot because she had oxygen on and uh, she's just lovely. One of the very few people that every week would put her arms on either side of me and just be like, I just want you to know you're a great preacher. God has a plan for you and her funeral's tomorrow and we, we were blessed to have her for her time here on earth. But we know that she's in heaven now and she's rejoicing with her savior and she doesn't need oxygen anymore. She's not limited anymore and one day we will see her again. So uh, men, can you just pray with me as we pray for Jimmy? He's in the back and several of his family and friends are here with him. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for Tommy's life, what she meant to this church. God, I pray for Jimmy. God, that you would bring peace to his heart. God, to Rita, to Bob, who are great friends of theirs. God, I pray that you would bring peace and comfort in a time when things just don't seem to add up. We look to you and we give you the honor and place that we're going to meet her again. And Lord, until then, help us make it every day and look to you for peace and understanding along the way, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We love you, Jimmy, your entire family. Hey, there's a couple things I need to do before we get started. Number one is this. If you park along this way over here, I don't even know if I'm pointing in the right direction. I'm directionally challenged. I still use uh, GPS to get around <laughs> Evansville, so that should tell you something. But uh, if you park over here and uh, you are able-bodied, meaning two things, your, your car is able to go over the green grass, okay, uh, and you do not have small children, okay, we want you to park over there. The reason is there's lots of single moms, lots of uh, parents with small children and, and older folks who need to park a little closer to the building. So if you could save those spots for them, we greatly appreciate it. Okay, that'd be awesome. Number two, starting point. People ask me all the time, they're like, what do I do to get involved here at the Hills? Go to starting point. <laughs> it's starting point, you sign up at hillschurch.info. It's in two weeks. It's an amazing class, okay? Takes place during this service and the last one. So you can attend one, go to the class, however you want to do it. Do that next weekend. 
okay? I am more pumped for next weekend than I've probably been for anything we have done around here in a long time. Let me tell you why. My mentor, my spiritual hero, the guy who has meant the world to me, uh, time over, and I worked for him for 13 years. I love him more than life itself. And the best preacher I know, hands down, by far, is not David Bowersox. He's pointing to himself right now in the back. Pastor Johnny Wilson is going to be here next week. Look, invite your friends. If you think I am any good, times that times 10,000, okay, and you've got Johnny Wilson standing here next week, you're not going to want to miss it. There's a reason this church has 10,000 people in it, okay? You just don't want to miss him. I love him, and uh, he married my wife and I. He didn't actually marry me, but you know what I meant to say, and I don't know how to get out of that one, so I'm just going to keep going. Invite your friends next week. Okay, an empty seat is a serious matter here. So if you see an empty seat around you, we want it filled next week and every week. Look, we designed this building not only to fill this area here, but that whole area out there. So if there's still plenty of seats out there, you can still invite your friends. We still got room. They see me on a big screen out there. All right, it's nice and comfy or they'll get here on time. All right, that'll teach them. All right, moving on. Today, I'm not talking to you as a pastor to church members, I'm talking to you as a person who is called to other people who are called by God. I'm not the only person in this room called by God. If you are a Christ follower, you're chosen, gifted, and called by God. You're enabled, empowered, and fulfilled, okay, to a very unique calling that is your own. You are called by God. Last week, we built a foundation on this, okay? Out of Ephesians chapter four, verse one says this. This is Paul writing, therefore I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of, say it with me, your calling. Lead a life worthy of, Okay, I hope that gets us to heaven. We'll do our best. <laughs> Jesus, we're really excited about your calling, and you could tell in our voice. Okay, that's like going to the most dead church alive. <laughs> your calling, thank you. All right? To lead a life worthy of? Your calling. There we go. For you have been called by God. You are called to live a life worthy of your calling. Right? So... Last week, we talked about this. God is more interested in who you are than what you do. That God is more interested in the who before the do, right? Who you are is more important to God than what you do for God. If you have no integrity, what you do for God makes no sense. Church isn't a place you go to. Church is a people group. You did not arrive to church today. You arrived to a building. The church arrived to the building today. Do you understand that you are the church? Yes. Right? And without you, this is just a building. So no matter where you go, you are the church that God has called, right? You're therefore now in a building, and when you leave here, you are still the church. Right. So no matter where you go, you are the church. And some of you, especially in this complicated climate where it's, you got to be very careful about what you say, who you say it to, and where you say it, you can be worn down, physically drained, emotionally exhausted, and spiritually discouraged. 
And let me tell you this, if the devil doesn't or cannot destroy you, he will seek to discourage you. He sneaks up on you and he's like, hey, can you really keep doing this? Is this really something you can do? Is it worth it, right? Does what you do really matters? And one of the things that people ask me all the time, they're like, Pastor Joe, how do you handle discouragement and fatigue and exhaustion and self-doubt and spiritual opposition month after month, year after year, decade after decade? And the only answer I can honestly tell you is I'm called to do what I'm doing. But I'm not the only person called. The Bible says that every person in this room is called right? You were called by God to live a holy life. So high five the person next to you and say, called. Okay. Awesome. Now I want you to high five the person who you did not choose. Okay. And be like, you're called too. I kind of like you. Okay. You were not my first choice, but I guess you'll have to do for today. Right. You are all called and most people, when we think about our calling, we think about, well, what's the mission? We think mission impossible. Should you choose to accept the mission, this is what'll happen, right? And so you don't know what you're called to. You're like, I, I know I'm supposed to come to church. And you thought until maybe two weeks ago that church was a building. You realize church as a people group, no matter where you go, you are the church. You can go to lunch today and you can point to somebody and be like, they go to my church. Therefore, we are part of that church. You might not want to associate everybody, right? Some of you might have arrived to church and realized your ex goes to this church. We've had that happen many times. That's one of my favorite scenarios. I'm like, this is really awkward for the two of you. I'm having a good time. Continue. So what is my job? What is my mission? I want to talk about three things and I'm going to tell you how to sustain those three things real quick. The first thing God calls you to is salvation. The very first thing that Jesus called you to is salvation. Before God calls you to a job, he calls you to himself. So you need to understand that Jesus doesn't call the righteous, but Jesus calls the Y'all need to read your Bible. Okay, we're going to try that again. Jesus doesn't call the righteous, but he calls the sinner. Right? So he doesn't come here to go get everybody who's got it all put together. He calls people to himself. So no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how dark the days are, you've been called to Jesus to come as you are, wherever you are, whatever statue in life, Jesus has called you to himself to be transformed by the grace of Jesus. So don't ever let your salvation become old news to you. Right? It should be something you enjoy and want to do. The second thing God calls you to is sanctification. That's a very fancy term, and all it means is to be set apart. Right? God calls you to sanctification, to be set apart. You're like, well, okay, well, what does that mean? It means to be different from the world, to live a holy life. So first you're called to salvation, then you're called to sanctification, and the last thing is God calls you to service. Every one of us has very unique gifts, okay, that he's giving you gifts and talents, not just to use in the church, but to go be the church outside in the world, to use the talent, whatever job, whatever skill you have, right, in the world as a Christ follower. So you're called to salvation, sanctification, and service, right? Now, your call can be very specific, but it can also be very broad. And here's what 
The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And he says this, and whatever you do, whether in word, whether you speak it or in deed, whether you actually do it, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the question is not, am I called? You are called. Everybody in this room is called. From day one, you are called, right? But the question is, do you faddle, uh, faddle, that's not a word. Do you battle, maybe it is. Do you battle with going, I'm not good enough, I, I don't feel ready, I'm struggling here. You, you might already be called to salvation. Your sins have been forgiven, but you have not battled through sanctification. You have not gone through the process of being holy, or maybe you've gone through sanctification and you have not entered into the service of the Lord. And you're like, I didn't know where there was three layers to this, right? Because most people's idea is going... I want to do the part where I get saved and go to heaven, but there's a lot in the middle, right? So those are the parts we need to get through. Not only are you called to salvation, right? You're called to sanctification and to service, right? So many of you are like, I don't know if I can do all this other stuff. What if people ask me weird questions about the church? I don't know how to answer that. What if somebody pulls me aside and goes, hey, church boy, where did dinosaurs come from? Where'd they go? Hey, where's the ark? They're like, what's well, in Louisville? In between Louisville, that's where it's settled, right over there. Go see, it's magnificent. Turned it into a, into a place, right? They might ask you harder questions like, well, if I, if I get Jesus and then I sin, do I lose Jesus? And, well, that's a tough question to answer. You're like, now we're getting into theology. And then you go, well, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. And, you know, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure that, that you want me representing the church. I still flip people off in traffic. I'm not the guy that God wants to use. Right, I still make mistakes all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. Am I worthy? Am I ready? And here's what I love what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. And it says this, Brothers and sisters, think of where you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. I'm not wise by human standards. If you ask me a human question, I'm going to disappoint you. Ask me a spiritual question, I'll impress you. Not many people were influential. Not many were of noble birth. This should be encouraging to every person here because as Paul is writing, he is telling you that I am not who I was, but you need to remember where you came from as well. You're not who you were, right? Meaning that there was a process going on. Something happened in between where he was, where he were, and now where he is, right? And so where you were is not where you're supposed to end up, but there is a process moving along. So here's what's encouraging, okay? Because you have to look at who God calls to salvation, sanctification, and then to service. The untrained, unqualified, unprepared nobodies. That should give you a lot of hope. It helped me a lot. <laughs> I met all those requirements. If the Bible just said, hey, who meets all of those? I'm like, that's me. I got every one of them down. Unqualified for everything you're asking. I love the old saying that God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the cold. When you're called by God, and thank God that God prepares you along the way. Right, this isn't something you just get overnight, but it is a process you should be constantly moving to. Right? How do I know that? Because it's my own story. I know it to be true because it happened to me. Right? 
So let, let me back up. Let me help you out. Okay. The, the start of my Christian journey. Okay. Uh, I get healed in a hospital. Right. But my motivation is not good. It is bad. My motivation for wanting to be a Christian, okay, and even wanting prayer is really, really bad. So let me back up because you healed in a hospital. You're like, miracle, back up, right? I am prayed for by my girlfriend's mother. And the only reason I'm like, hey, you can pray for me is because I want to continue doing what I was doing. <laughs> Therefore, she prays for me. I have no good motivation, yet Jesus heals me, right? So then I end up going to the church that she invites me to, and the church, the one, the guy who's coming next week, right? He's there, right? And, and they're doing this play where they're throwing people into hell. Like people are being chucked in left and right. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So every night for seven nights, what would happen was they'd be like, who doesn't want to go to hell? And I'm like, me, and they're like, you need to accept Jesus. I'm like, right on, brother. That's me. I'd go up to the altar call, give my heart to Jesus, and go out doing the same exact thing I did the day before. And I gave my heart to Jesus seven nights in a row. <laughs> and I never changed anything. So I started coming on Sunday, and when I started coming on Sunday, okay, I, I, I knew salvation. I knew I wanted that. I was like, God has called me to salvation. Clearly, he's tugging on my heart because I keep doing it seven times in a row, right? But I, I do what I normally do, and my favorite thing to do back in the time was to tell dirty jokes. Well, now I've got a captive audience of a bunch of people who don't hear dirty jokes very often at a church. <laughs> so I start telling everybody I know all my great jokes. Right, I start, and they're like, finally, a pastor gets a hold of me. He's like, hey, uh, you probably shouldn't talk like that. I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, now that you are a Christ follower, you need to start living a holy life. Well, no one had ever challenged me. And, I, and so I was like, well, what are some of the rules? And he's like, let me make it real simple to you. Okay, anything you think about doing, do the opposite. And he's like, you'll probably be an outstanding Christian. I was like, sweet. But Christianity had a lot of rules. I didn't know. I didn't know I was supposed to start following rules. I just thought I could go to heaven. I was like, sweet, this is awesome, right? But then the sanctification process, I said, I wasn't just called to salvation. Now I was called to sanctification. I didn't know what it meant. So then, you know, I had never dated as a, not, as a Christian, Right? I'd always dated as a non-Christian and, and I did my thing, you know? So finally, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend and he hears me and I'm volunteering, doing all these things and I'm sleeping in my girlfriend's house and he's like, he's like, what are you doing, man? I was like, uh, sleeping? He's like, you cannot spend the night at your girlfriend's house and volunteer in the youth ministry. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I was like, so what are the rules for dating girls? He's like, well, let me make it real simple for you. Sweet. That's how you got to talk to me. I'm not, I'm not complex. He's like, if a bathing suit touches it, you shouldn't. In one sense, he killed every reason why I wanted to date. I was like, this is pointless. What am I allowed to do in this thing that I just joined? I was like, this is a cult. People are right. 
And what I didn't realize is little by little, as I started to make those adjustments, it didn't happen overnight. I would take two steps forward and 20 steps back. And all the time, slowly I was being changed by Jesus. So I went through salvation, I went through sanctification, but then I was called into his service. I knew I wanted to lead people to Jesus, I just didn't understand the process, right? And I don't know if you know this, but there's really nothing cool about being a pastor, right? Nobody like for real, unless you're like a mega pastor, okay? Nobody really like comes to your house and is like, hey, my son really wanted to meet you, okay? Because he thinks pastors are cool. Can you sign his, his T-shirt? Yes, I can. I can. You know, so that's not whatever it is. And as soon as I told people I wanted to be a pastor, they started looking at me. They're like, hey, you, you can't be a pastor. You're this guy. You're this guy. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're not qualified to do this. And insert whatever insult you wanted. And here's what I started to realize, okay, is sometimes criticism from people confirms God's calling. Sometimes that's the fuel that you need. You are being called by God to live a life worthy of your calling. But it's not easy. And the two qualities that you're going to have to understand is this. Number one, your calling is going to cost something. In Acts chapter 9, we run into a guy named Saul who hated Christians, persecuted Christians. His name is later changed to Paul. On his way to Damascus, he is, sees a huge light. It's Jesus, and he's physically blind. Well, God speaks to a man named Ananias. And here's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. And I want you to realize what God doesn't tell Saul, soon to become Paul. He doesn't say, hey, once you're healed, you're going to write most of the New Testament. Everyone's going to think you're awesome. You're going to have crazy clout, open doors, massive platforms, six-figure incomes, and the ladies are going to love you. Here's what the Lord said to Ananias in verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, if that's a sales pitch, it's a terrible one. If Jesus is trying to get Saul, soon to be Paul, on board, this is not the way you onboard somebody. Come follow me and it'll be a painful journey. It's going to be horrible. And you need to understand this. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to get out of where, you're, where you think everything is comfortable. You know, in family circumstances, families sometimes look more like circuses than actual families. You ever been to Thanksgiving and you're like, what is happening here? You're like, did, did all these people come? Out of the same family? How did this happen? Right? Your office, you're like, hey, it might look like the actual office, like the show. Ours does. Okay, I don't want to tell you who Dave is. Okay? 
but you're chosen to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe you're called to be in the neighborhood watch. Maybe you're called to do something crazy and you're like, I don't understand it. Why am I in this uncomfortable situation? Because God called you there. And comfort is normally the very thing that will destroy a calling. From the moment I accepted this role as lead pastor, and I don't care, you can tell me till you're blue in the face, you're wasting your energy. If you come up to me after servicing, you're like, oh, Pastor Joe, you are so called to do this. I believe you should be the lead pastor. I hate this job. <laughs> I do not want this job. I am called to this job. And let me tell you why. The second I agreed with the elders to do this job, I lost my grandfather, who is my second father figure, in four weeks. Three weeks after that, my son was diagnosed with a brain cyst that he had to have surgery to have removed. All of that in the first six months. So you forgive me if I go, you know what, God? I don't want to do this. Your calling cost a lot. I have read the Bible. I know what it's like to follow Jesus. I don't want to be humbled. And God often uses our deepest pain to launch our greatest calling. And you have to go through it. Don't clap. We don't have time. <laughs> calling always costs. It's always going to cost you something. Private pain is a big part of your public calling. Serving Jesus is a gift, but it's also a grind. Okay? Living your call is a thrill, but it's also a burden. Ministry is exhilarating, but it's also exhausting. If following Jesus isn't the greatest gift and greatest burden, you're probably not doing it right. There should be a constant tension there. Because that's what it is. The biggest enemy of your calling is comfort. And the second thing, your calling is what sustains you. When, when you feel like the world, when you're like, Daryl, how can you just get up there and say, I hate this job. My calling sustains me. It's the thing that keeps pushing me forward. How do I know that? What, what did the Apostle Paul endure? We knew he was going to go through things and, you know, he was faithful. How did he not get discouraged? How did he not get bitter? How did he not quit? Let me just give you a little history lesson on what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was brutally persecuted. He was tortured. He was whipped. Jesus was captured and whipped one time, 39 times. The Apostle Paul was captured five times and whipped 39 times. He was drowned, stoned, snake-bitten, and left for dead. These are not things that I would like to do in my lifetime. These are not the accolades I'm looking for in Jesus, but they are the ones that followed the calling. Paul doesn't finish the race because he was competent. He finished the race because he's cold. And how do I know that? Because I, after all this happens, here's what he writes in Philemon. He says this, chapter 3, verse 13. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. How 
heavenward in Jesus Christ. I kept the faith. I finished the race. I'm called to it. Some of you need to reclaim your calling. You're, you're tired of being uncomfortable. Just reclaim your calling. It's going to be uncomfortable. Some of you are like, I can't keep doing this. This is too tough. Reclaim your calling. Take back your time left on this earth and go, I'm not done yet. I'm not dead. I, I still have a race to finish. I'm, I've got this. And here's what you have to say. I, I can't stop. I won't quit. I'm cold to it. I won't go away. I won't let go. I will never give up. Paul said this. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down by not destroyed. That is not a worship song. That is what the Apostle Paul said. It's not written by Darrell Evans. Let me speak to some of you. Everyone in this room is called. But some of you, you're like, I, I'm far away from God, man. I've done some really bad stuff. Life took you off your spiritual game. You're like, God obviously doesn't, isn't into what I want to do. Let me give you hope. Romans 11:29. 29, it says, for the gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Meaning they cannot be revoked, recalled, repealed, annulled, withheld, withdrawn. They're irrevocable. God has called you from the time you were formed in your mother's womb. You've been called. And it doesn't matter how much distance is set between there and what you did in between. You have time left, you have air in your lungs, you're called to do what you do. Don't let the world talk you out of your calling. We are the church of Jesus Christ and we are called to be a light into a dark world. And so you're like, yeah, but I just wanna hide. It seems like everything's getting darker and darker. Easy, that's awesome. You wanna know why? Because it's easier to distinguish a bunch of little lights in the darkness. So I'm like, bring it on, devil. I've gone a long way and I'm not giving up now. I've been through hell and back. It's not worth it, right? So hold on, we don't have time for you to clap. I really don't. I got a timer thing back there. It tells me how to live my life. But some of you don't understand how this church even has the name Hills written on it. You're like, we don't have any Hills in Evansville. Thank you for the typography lesson. But the hills had nothing to do with that. Remember we talked about the people who were called the unqualified. I was so tired of churches that were only going after polished, perfect people. I was like, what about people like me? So the hills literally stands for the hills we're willing to die on is you. The hills everybody signs up for, Ryan, Pastor Dave, Paul, we're willing to lay down our life in between the sinner and the saint persecuting him. And go, you know what? I'm gonna give you every chance down to your last second of breath to change. Because while you have air in your lungs, you've got a pastor on your side going, you are called. 
And that call is irrevocable, no matter where you've gone in your life. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, says this, We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and by his power he bring to fruition every desire for his goodness and for your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this also, that the name of our Lord Jesus be glorified in you. You have been chosen. You were called to salvation, to sanctification, and to service. I don't know what part of the journey you're on. I don't know if you need salvation today. I don't know if you've never tried sanctification. You've just been living in salvation mode. And I don't know if you've been on the process of sanctification and you've never joined the service mode. Whatever level you're on today, it's time to take the next step. So with every head bowed, nobody looking around and you're like, Pastor Girl, that's me. I've been living at one level. Maybe you've been living, you haven't been saved at all. You need to take that step today. Maybe you've been saved, but you haven't been moving through the process of sanctification. You haven't been becoming more holy. You need to take that step today. Maybe you've done that. You're moving through that. You need to take your step in service. Whatever that is, I want to pray for you today. Will you raise your hand right now so I can pray for you if you need to take another step? Come on, hands up all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Once you put them up, you can put them right down. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice. God, if they need to take that step to accept you for the call of salvation, I pray they do that today, that they ask you to forgive them, to wash them and set them free. God, if they're on the step of sanctification, the process of becoming holy, God, that they start to take heed according to your word, that they would start to listen to your word and do as it says and get accountability. God, and move forward in that. God, and maybe they've gone through the sanctification process, but now they're trying to decide service. God, should I take my step, go out of my comfort zone and enter into your service and serve that which you have gifted me with? And the answer is you've already been called. Therefore, God, speak to us today. Change our lives, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.